Sometimes real heroes live in the hearts of small kids fighting big battles. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Uncle Marv podcast. I am your host, Uncle Marv. Many of you know me as Marvin B., and I have been around for a while, whether it was junior high, high school, college, tech stuff, whatever. This is a show where we just have conversations and chats with friends, family, and almost famous people, and we are going to do just that tonight. I have with me someone that you remember from a show a little while back, Elise Roth-Tedeschi. Elise, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Looking a little dark there tonight in the background. Uh, I forgot to turn on the light. That's okay. (laughs) That's all right. Looks good for the camera. That's all that matters, right? Yeah. (laughs) All right. And we have a new friend joining us this evening, Amy Sapien. Amy, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am good. And I always have to say that or else people will be like, what's wrong? So <laughs> for those of you, for those it's of no you. It's no longer a greeting. What was that? It's no longer a greeting? Yeah, that's true. It's no longer a greeting. Mm. For those of you joining us for the first time, uh, I mentioned the Uncle Marv podcast. If you at any time ever want to go back and see what this is really about, you can go to UncleMarv.com. And you can find all of the previous episodes that I have done. There are links there to both the audio and video of other shows. And I've been doing this just over a year now. It is a supplement to a podcast that I do for the tech community. But this one was just basically a personal thing for me to kind of get in touch with family and friends that I just simply lost touch with a long, long time ago. And we're getting back in touch with all of them. Elise, as you know, is a friend from high school, and she doesn't remember that we sang in ten tones together. We did not. <laughs> I, I think we did. I, think, I listened to our yearbook. I think you just don't remember me. <laughs> no, I, kind of hard to forget. Yeah. Well. <laughs> and Amy actually is a friend of a not even a friend. So I am, I must be friends with your husband on the Facebook somehow. Uh, Amy has about 50 friends in common with me in the tech world. And she is, well, let me say, how should I say this? So her husband is a representative of a competitive company of one of my tech tools. And uh, I'll have to get him on the other show in that way. Everything will be all nice, right? Okay. Okay. All right. So I put up the the picture in the beginning and read the quote there. And this actually is the picture for your group on Facebook, Amy, correct? It is. um, It is the group that I started is called Childhood Cancer Advocates. So I noticed that there's a lot of... uh, Facebook groups for support, like tons and tons for support. And when my son was diagnosed with leukemia in June of 2019, there was just a huge number of groups. You could ask, like, my kid's in this part of treatment, and they gave him this medication, and, like, they had this reaction. What ha- what happened to you? And there's all these comments. Um, but when you get out of that initial um, trauma of, like, that first year, and you want to do something about cancer itself, like you want to raise awareness or um, you want to lobby a little bit or you want to look at research studies, what's coming down, like research-wise, I was having a hard time finding a central location for it. 
So I didn't want another support group. I wanted something more advocate based. So I started Childhood Cancer Advocates, and I think I'm up to like 1,300 people are on that, and it's only been a couple months. Um, and then additionally, I was actually uh, I was appointed to a board of a nonprofit called Prep for Gold, which stands for Prevention, Research, Education, and Programs. And um, that's just got up and running, so that is online as well. Um, so I'm really trying to like give back to the community because, uh, most people are just trying to make it through today. If we're being completely honest and they're children and they can't advocate for themselves at all. So everyone is in 100% crisis mode. So those of us that are able to like bail and paddle, (laughs) I guess, um, for sure. Like, um, I'm trying to empower us to be able to do that. Uh, I'm a 20 year social worker. So I work at the VA now and, um, I work with paralyzed veterans. And um, after my son was diagnosed, my husband was like, okay, when are you going to do something about this? Like, you're a social worker. You've been doing it for everybody else for 20 years. Like, when are you going to do it for your kid? So there's um, a lack of funding for childhood cancer. Uh, There's no initiative for big pharma to invest in childhood cancer because there's so few um, recipients. So like, my son's type of leukemia, there's like 700 in the U.S. that are like diagnosed with it every year. So there's just no money in it. So um, there's a lot of like self-funding and um, family organizations that raise money in order to fund it. And um, I, first of all, I think that's a tragedy, you know, but also I felt compelled to try to do something to change it. Um, and it's the first time I've really approached something from a macro level. Um, and not just like an individual um, therapeutic or systemic like way, like even in the VA, it's like small, small groups or like entire departments. It's not like, okay, we need like legislation that like, you know, changes a lot of this. So it's my first big, uh, big picture foray. All right. So I put the link to both the Facebook group and the prep for gold in the chat. So you can find them both on YouTube and the Facebook Or if you're listening to this after the fact, you can go to the show page and see those links. So, Amy, you are correct that when you go and do a search for cancer, it's always about support and it's always about people going through it. And whether it's websites or Facebook groups or even podcasts, I mean, there are, I almost want to say thousands of podcasts, but they're all talking about being in the thick of the battle. And, you know, kind of muddling through it. So you have now come across that. What has been your response from people in the group? I see, now I'm a member of the group, so I I do have to say that. And I've, you know, I've noticed a lot of posts, a lot of people giving resources Mm -hmm. and things like that. How have you seen the the results from the group? Um, It's actually really picked up in the last, like, probably month or two, where I'll go on and see that way more people than me have been posting at the beginning. It was like, I was posting research articles and like newspaper stuff. And, um, I don't know, awareness stuff. And it was like, Amy, 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 somebody else, Amy, 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 Amy. And now it's like, I'll post something and like, you know, five or six different people will post on the same day, which is nice. And then I'll see a lot of cross like talking about like subjects. And I think that's really cool. Um, it's and it's nice because it's not just families that are affected by cancer. It's other people that are coming. Uh oh, do we lose her? And like getting their eye because they they make it sound like you know it's almost impossible for your child to get cancer, and it's like one in two hundred and eighty six kids in the U.S. get cancer. It's like not impossible at all. It's sixteen thousand kids a year, and it goes up by like. 0.7% every, every year. So I think it's something like since 1974, it's increased 34%. So it's on the rise, like, um, you know, prep for gold. One of the big things is about prevention, which is kind of taboo in our um, community because we all tell each other that like, there's nothing we could have done because as moms, you know, you're looking for what did I do wrong? What could I have done to prevent this? How is this my fault? 
Um, but I think the big picture is like what's going on in the environment and our society. And, um, you know, I think it's affecting, I think the kids are the uh, canary in the, in the mine shaft. And as the cancer rates are going up, they're letting us know that we're not doing what we need to do as far as the environment goes. All right. And there's a, a little taboo in the sense of nobody wants to acknowledge that early in a child's life that there's an issue. Everybody wants their kid to be normal and perfect. And, you know, if you try to acknowledge and do preventative stuff, you're acknowledging that there's a problem. So you're right. The mind shift needs to, to happen there. So I want to take a quick moment and let everybody know the reason that we kind of rushed right into this with, with Amy is that Amy's only going to be with us for a few minutes. So I wanted to give her an opportunity to, to say everything she wanted to say out there before she had to go. And Elise is not being, you know, hogtied with their, their mouth. She'll, she'll get plenty of time. But Amy, uh, any other things that you want to say before you get out here? Um, my, I guess my parting words would be um, nine months after my son was diagnosed with leukemia, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I'm coming up on the one-year anniversary of that. So um, ladies, do not skip your mammograms, even though there's COVID. And yes, you can get breast cancer even at 40 years old. So um, take care of your health. There's lots of people looking at you and needing you in this world. Um, So don't put yourself last because, you know, if you don't have your health, you've got nothing. All right. And let's ask before you go, how are both you and your son doing? We're good. Um, I have stable scans, so my hair has grown back all weird and curly, and it used to be long and blonde. Um, and he, you can had, be long again soon. <laughs> I don't. It, this is like weirdness. I don't know what's going on with it. Mine grew, uh, mine grew back really thick. Did it? But now it's not. <laughs> girl, you are giving me hope because, like, this weight I mean, crazy girl is bad. How, how far out well, are you? We would say that um, because when you're going through cancer, your um, hair follicles like tighten, mm-hmm. and that's why it's almost like if you think of, um, you know, the ribbon where you take it with a uh, a scissor, you know, and, and curl it. It's mm-hmm. it. Think of that. That's exactly why that happens. Um, I'm ready to be done with it, but um, I feel. Um, and then Landon, his uh, type of his type of leukemia is the longest treatment plan without there being a problem. So out of all childhood cancer, so he is a, a three and a half year chemo um, regimen, and that's with things going perfectly. So we have 80 more weeks of daily chemo ahead of us. But he's doing well. He he is holding his own at this moment. Um, he's got some hair and energy about him, and he is a straight A student. So I couldn't ask for more. Gosh, right. well, very okay. nice to hear. And you'll have to give us an update at some point and keep us informed as to how things are going. And ladies, this is National Women's Health Week. So I think it worked yeah. out just perfectly to have you two on and talk about this and be a part of uh, that discussion. All right, Amy, any last words? Nope. I just thank you guys for having me on and uh, maybe we can meet again sometime. We will. Thank you for coming on. And uh, we don't have a way to gracefully exit here. So I'm just going to boot you off stage. So (laughs) thank you very much. All right. That was great. I can't even imagine. I mean, I know how tough it is to go through chemo and everything by yourself. But to have your child sick at the same time, that's that's really tough. She's one strong woman. Yeah, we're that's gonna, for sure. We're gonna have to get more information. I've only, you know, been speaking to her just under two weeks. So I don't know the full story, but yeah, it sounds like a lot. And yeah. then to to do what she has done in growing a group that fast. Uh, yeah, in, for sure. What she said, two months. Yeah, and then to be put yeah. to a board for uh, Prep for Gold, uh, she's got some ambition and some some stuff there. Now, we never talked about all the other stuff you were doing because, you know, we talked a lot about your journey during the cancer, but we didn't talk about life after cancer. So what types, yeah. what, what types of things are going on now? 
I'm job hunting. So what happened? <laughs> no, no, no. I well, I'm I I lost my job due to COVID. Um, actually, back in August, oh. and you know, I I always feel like sort of the higher position you have, the higher salary range you have, the longer it takes to find the right job, and um, so. I've been applying um, in the beginning. I really didn't apply that many places. I was just trying to figure out like, what do I want to do next? And, you know, it's kind of one of two things. One, I just want to work for a great brand and I'm all about working for just having the, the right work culture. I think that's probably the most important thing for me. Um, and certainly being in a position where I can continue to grow and learn in the company. Um, or, you know, the other side of that is transitioning more so into um, healthcare because I've been so involved and, and I think even more so, I, I just, I'm obviously I'm really passionate about it. Um, so kind of one of those things. So, so amazing marketing PR person, hire me. I was going to say, so. You were you were in marketing and you were obviously high up. You were senior director. Um, yeah, so I worked for a smaller company, actually a family owned company. Um, I was their senior director of marketing and I brought in a whole lot of new aspects. I'm I love IT. Um, I always feel like I get a little bit from my dad. My dad, you know, when I was a baby, um, or really before I was born, my dad. Uh, uh, was an engineer at NASA, you know, like most kids we grew up with, a lot yeah. of them, their parents worked for the space program. And um, my mom uh, wrote this, I told you this before, she wrote a, written a nationally syndicated cooking column and taught cooking classes. She went to FIT in New York City. So I feel like I have the creative piece and the IT financial numbers piece too. So. All right. <laughs> maybe maybe you can be marketing for an IT company. You know, we need we need good marketing people in IT. I always, you know, every time I work on a new app or a, a new program, I think I always end up giving them like twenty ideas of how they can make it better. So, but do they do it? Huh? Do they do it? Sometimes, yes. Okay. Um, but I, I mean, it, I will tell you. In my last job, I was able to figure out. Um, they had a program for years and years and never could track the data. And I was able to figure out a way to track the data, which they had never done before. So with what they had existing, with the programs they had existing, I was able to track it. So I'd like that. Okay. So we're going to go tangent here. So <laughs> they, they were marketing, but couldn't track, like they couldn't track their leads. They couldn't track, you know, their uh, CPM. Right or, huh? They were a restaurant group and had a pretty big list. Um, they did a, some, a program called Summer Dine Around. And so uh, they would send out these cards. Um, you get $25 off if you spent, um, gosh, I want to say it was $100, I think, or even $75, I can't remember. But the program was really good. Actually, it wasn't even a dollar amount. That's why I can't remember it. It wasn't a dollar amount. It was actually um, you had to uh, – it was dinner for two in any of the restaurants, but you just, you had to eat at the restaurant um, and basically essentially order two entrees. So it's a successful program. And once they went to one restaurant, they would get a card to, to go to the next restaurant. So it was a big restaurant group and they'd go to a car, get a card to go to the next one. But once they use that first card, they couldn't track them in the second, third, fourth. Ah, I see. They're going to. Okay. And um, I was able to do it. Interesting. So between the groups of restaurants, so was it like one owner in several restaurants or is it a real true group where these are all different restaurants working together? Um, family owned and operated. Um, and they had uh, 12 restaurants um, here in South Florida and totally different concepts. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, and really high end. So. All right. That's why they could afford you. And then that's why they couldn't <laughs> afford me. <laughs> because right. not many people are going to find any restaurants during COVID. 
Yeah, that, that's got to be rough. So are you looking to kind of do the same thing or, you know, are you really seriously looking at something like IT or a different industry or? Yeah, I'm definitely, I want to be out of the restaurant industry. I keep saying that, but I end up somehow getting back in. I really don't want to. Um, I just want a new challenge. And I feel like marketing is marketing. Partnerships are partnerships. Um, you know, different market segments are different market segments. So I, um, you know, there's, I, it's really more for me about the brand that I'm working for. Um and them wanting to always evolve and grow. Um, I think that's one thing that's really important. And I've done B2B, I've done B2C, I've done all of that. So um, I don't know, I'm pretty open. And, you know, it's one of those things, like, I love to learn something new. And usually, like, if it's something to do with um, any kind of computer program or whatever is, like, in my last job, I had already set up one delivery, you know, third-party delivery platform. And during COVID, I set up four of them. I negotiated all the contracts and I basically made them all happen, you know, putting on the website. I did um, uh, I did another program that actually put in um, online ordering in their own website. Um, and it's like, you know, Essentially, at that point, it was 10 different restaurants, but 10 different menus, 10 different um, I, everything. So um, start to finish, I executed, taught the staff, you know, went through, looked at financials. I mean, it's great because you can, you can see so much. I love, personally, I love the data because then you can figure out what you want to do next. So I'm totally nerdy like that. I love that stuff. Um, and I actually negotiated, and I won't say the rate, but I know that I negotiated the best rate probably in the industry um, for a third-party delivery company. Because, you know, these Uber Eats and all of them, you know, they all charge a percentage right. based total. And um, I got it down to a very small number. All right. <laughs> We are going to have to talk off air because, like I said, marketing is a big bugaboo in the tech industry. And I actually just finished in March. I did a complete month all focused on marketing. So I had four marketing companies in and we talked about, you know, everything in the tech world. And it was so good. We're actually going to do a second set of marketing shows later this year. And it's, it's a weird thing. Especially, you know, IT is one of those low-margin industries. So techs and companies don't want to spend a lot of money on marketing. They want to, you know, do the least amount that they can, you know. And it's always stuff like Google Ads. I think for you, um, so I've been sort of freelancing and um, I have a a client – it's actually the court system of Georgia and they are, um, you know, they're trying to get people to do jury duty. Um, their theme is justice needs jurors. And, um, they shot a 15 second video and a 30 second video. And so I placed those videos, uh, I placed all their media buys for them. And, um, I think the videos are the way to go because I think people have short attention span. If you show an Ads are kind of boring these days, but you have something clever or it's got to be aesthetically great looking um, kind of ad or even for like a tech company showing just a little smidge of what they have to offer, like what the results, you know, use our IT company. This is what you can get out of it. Um, I think, oh, my light's falling. (laughs) Um, I think... uh, to me, that's the best way to be able to show your brand. All right. And videos are taking off in the tech world. So that, oh, is, yeah. a, that is a big thing. All right. So I want to do this. I'm going to shift gears and make sure okay. that we do a couple of things. I didn't do announcements at the beginning because I wanted to get Amy in there. 
I do want to say, well, first of all, I got to say hello to people that have joined us in the chat. So so John uh, was with us from Melbourne. Uh, Becker has uh, popped in and Lori Hartplant. Lori, thank you so much for for hopping on last week. Last week's show was the return of Wendy Hargrove Pierce. (laughs) And Wendy was so nervous and not sure what to do. And I said, I'm going to sneak in a little surprise and Lori was so gracious enough to come on and spend a few minutes and really surprise and, and make the, the journey easier for Wendy. So Lori, thank you for that. Uh, I also want to say thank you. I had a few people write to me emails and messages. I had spoke about the fact that a couple of weeks ago, the neighbor across the street from us had committed suicide. And so that was one of the reasons I missed a show a couple of weeks ago and the neighborhood was dealing with that. Come to find out, and these are things that unless you talk as neighbors, you don't really know stuff. That's the second suicide that has happened in our neighborhood. Uh, The other one was a while back, but it literally was on basically the next block over. So we've had two suicides. There were some other things that happened that I won't mention but it was just interesting watching the neighborhood come together and chat and talk. And, you know, at least for now, the neighborhood is a little bit more friendly. People are waving, people walking and talking, and uh, we're going to try to find a way to, to keep it going. So that was it. So I did want to say thank you to those of you that reached out and gave me thoughts and prayers on that. Got a lot of information on the Lowe family. I mentioned that I had spoke to Andy Lowe a couple of weeks ago, and I have not yet reached out to Big Ed and David, but what? I was going to say, I love, I love Ed Lowe. I love Andy. I love David. Yeah. But especially Mr. Lowe, he, uh, he's awesome. And um, he and I, every so often, will message each other on Facebook, and he's always giving me good advice about my boys and stuff like that. And he's just same guy, better. You know, we're older now, so I'm like, I can't get in trouble, even though I was not a troublemaker at all. Um, but yeah, You, you I can love... say that. I can't. <laughs> but oh, I'd love to see that. Yep. So uh, might be having them on at some point or at least giving updates and I will be getting more updates from other people. I think it's great. Elise, are you going to be uh, joining us for the reunion this summer? I am. You are? I will be there. Okay. So uh, satellite people, that reunion is happening July 16th through the 18th. I understand the hotels are sold out. So if you're not reserved your spot at the hotel you're going to have to find someplace else to uh to bunk up find a friend in the area or a hotel down the road but friday night is going to be a combined night for the years of 84 85 and 86 by the way that's the whole weekend so oh, they, you know. they have upgraded to the whole weekend the whole weekend but any class can come that what? friday night you guys are gravy training on my year <laughs> well, your year was last year, really, technically. Okay, well, last year didn't happen, so. <laughs> no, um, no, they added all, I mean, I think it's, to me, is the greatest. I loved 84, I loved 85, and I loved my year. So, all I right. think it was so fun, and I think everyone should go. I mean, there's a lot of people, like, on the fence about it, and I'm like, everyone needs to go now. Because, like, you know, if we wait another five or ten years, we're all really going to be old. (laughs) Yep. Go now (laughs) while you still can and look good. Yeah. And it's going to be fun. I think it'll be so fun. Yep. And if you don't know anyone or if you know people that are not on Facebook that need information, um, um, I'm going to make a one-sheeter on it. Um, so you can download it from the website, probably. Um, so not the website, the Facebook page. Well, we need to talk about that, too, because some people don't want to get on the Facebook. And I did a post on my website, but I don't have anything downloadable. So we need to do something. There are people that need to get information that aren't on Facebook. So 
those of you committee members can can help with that we would appreciate it and one other thing i put down here i wanted to ask you two things one the last time we spoke you were doing the promotion with uh kendra scott Mm -hmm. did that do well did you get an update did were there announcements to make about that they um we did raise raise money from it it wasn't hugely successful but they found there were some glitches in the the Mm. code okay so um i got this i got this though that pretty you see it wait hang on let me okay it looks like a heart wait all right yep yep there we go what is it what does it say is that a a butterfly no it's just a heart a heart in the yeah it's just basically I can't hold this up right because I can't do this. Like, <laughs> okay. okay, yep. So a heart. See, I don't know which fingers I'm using here. With a little bling in there, it looks like. Yeah. All right. Love kind of Scott stuff. I got this for Mother's Day. Okay. So like- <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say. Is that a bangle? It's um, it's this like three three tennis bracelets. Three little bracelets, like little things that I'm. I don't know. Kendra Scott, but Kendra Scott is such a great brand. I don't know. They, they always give back, which I like. And, um, they, um, their prices are reasonable. So they had like a hundred different promotions on that site. (laughs) When I was going through looking at the backside and trying to figure out, I mean, they had tons of stuff. So yeah, they have great stuff. I mean, they have like really great box and you know, you don't have to give wrap wonder how they made money, but uh, good for them. The other question I wanted to ask you, and I went back and looked at the notes on our previous show, and folks, if you did not hear that show and the full story, uh, you want to go to show 30, or if you go to UncleMarv.com slash 30, that'll take you to the page, or just go to UncleMarv.com and search for Elise. There was a book that you had mentioned that I said I would put a link it to the show, but I didn't. And I want to make sure, is it uh, Louis Giglio, The Comeback? Oh, yeah. It's not too yeah. late and you're never too far. Yeah. Um, I believe if you go to, hang on, I'm going to look really quick for you. Um, well, I've got it here I on think the if Facebook. You go to, okay. Let me share. I think if you go to Passion City Tours, um on there you can always buy that book he actually just came out with another book i believe today so um so the comeback yep, that's the book okay yep that is the book um and i am uh i'm chapter 12 but it's it's a great book because i mean i think everyone no matter what you know my trials and tribulations are different from anyone else's but they're still just as you know um, just have so much depth and gravity to them. And, you know, I remember, um, when, when I was going through cancer, some people would say, yeah, but I just have X cancer. And I'm like, it's all relative. I mean, because we're all dealing with our, you know, each battle, whether it's cancer or anything else. And, you know, um, I think the pandemic has definitely, been really hard on so many people. I mean, I think it's been hard on everyone. And I don't think there's a person out there that can't say it didn't affect them. And um, I mean, I will tell you personally, I'm actually, um, I've started going to a therapist because I think the pandemic has just changed so many things. Um, Not, I mean, I've been through tough times, but um, you're talking about it's, this is the longest I've ever not had, you know, been working for someone. Um, you know, I've freelanced before and things like that, but I, I'm that type of person. I really like working more so with a team or just, just with people, you know. Right. And I think it's it's been hard. I mean, you know, when you're working freelance, you know, you're working typically with your client, but the time is sort of minimal. If you figure out the plan that you're going to do with the client. Sometimes you're talking to them a lot. Sometimes you're not. And for me, that was, that's been hard. 
Yeah. So it's, um, it's a weird thing know, where a lot of people who did not get directly affected, they didn't know somebody with COVID or, you know, have to deal with their own stuff. Being stuck, I guess is the best word. Yeah. You know, there were times. So I did a thing a while back where I was trying to think about, you know, times in history that, you know, we've gone through this because people try to talk about the plague and stuff like that. But, it, you know, you have to think about things that are disruptive in our lives, you know, things like World right. War, you know, one and two, you know, where you're dealing with four years of disruption, you know, yeah. where this is kind of what we're dealing with, except we can't always see what's happening but we're all affected by it. And yeah. it's a little different in the mental game because I think there's a lot of people that have, you know, even us as, as, as old as we are, you know, there hasn't really been much that we've had to deal with for any stretch of time. Right. And to, you know, we're now going on what a year and three months in some cases yeah. where, you know, not being able to see people that we... I think that was, that was especially hard. And I, you know, it's like I sort of had a group of friends that acted like the pandemic wasn't happening. And I would tell them, like, I have to be careful because I, I mean, I feel my immune system's working pretty well, but I have no idea, really. I don't think anyone really, like... You know, those that got very, very sick or those people that lost their lives or, you know, those that weren't affected at all. I think they no one really has no has any idea how COVID was going to affect them. And, you know, for me, there was a lot of fear around it. Um, it's like, you know, I beat pancreatic cancer. I'm sure not dying from COVID. You know, I just was like, I'm not going to be. And we we really. I mean, we really didn't see a lot of our friends and, you know, uh, I would tell you that a group of our friends, like we're not, we're not nearly as close to them anymore. And, and that part is sad. And, and I think with that and then like the craziness of the politics and how I just think you should never, ever choose politics over your friends, over people that you've known your whole life. I mean, I saw people getting like, I would just put a question out there, you know, and, and I would try to, cause I hate negativity. And so I try to put something out there on my fit on my Facebook page saying like, you know, what do you think about this? You know, and I try to not be, I try to be completely bipartisan. And then no matter what people are fighting on my Facebook page. And then I remember one time I called my, college roommates, uh, husband, a complete idiot. And then I was like, I took it down and I apologized to him. And I was like, I don't, I, it was just awful to me putting like, just to have that negativity out there. And you know, at the end of the day, I know, especially I know when I went through cancer, I mean, all my friends, like all my satellite high school friends, um, my friends here in Atlanta, I mean, people rallied around me and that's way more important than any political thought figure, whatever. So I, I just think like, you know, people choosing politician they've never met or any of that, you know, and, and just, you know, I see some people just consistently putting out negative things about politics. I mean, it's just not, I mean, it, it, it I think it's not good for anyone. It is tough, which is why I try not to talk about those things. Although I will say this, just because I don't talk about them doesn't mean I don't have an opinion about them. And I found in some cases, and this is the only one that I will speak to, that I realized that I was part of the problem in having my friends and people that I knew and associated with who did not understand the George Floyd situation. And, you know, me not telling the stories that I went through and that I go through 
still. I'm not to yeah. say that it's over. I mean, there are still times where, you know, I will be stopped or looked at in a certain way. And a lot of my friends who have known me for years are like, well, I never thought of you that way. Or I never realized that that happened. Yeah. And you know what? That's my fault for not bringing it up. And, you know, not to say that I'm going to, you know, climb to the rooftops and tell people what they need to do about it. But having discussions with people to explain, you know, this is, this is the world we live in. And in a situation like this, where, you know, I've never asked for anything more than anybody else. You know, I've asked for the same opportunities and the same chances. Yeah. And that should not take away, you know, my having the right to be equal doesn't take away your right to be equal. Yeah. I shouldn't have to die to prove that. And I think that's where the struggle is. So you're right. Politics and, you know, even churches, you know. Um, I know that you, your church is a nice church though. I could, I think I could hang out there. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, but, but like any church, it's, it's, you know, had its share of scrutiny and such. And, um, but I do know, I know the pastor very well and I know the pastor's wife and I know, I know their hearts and I know they're really good people, you know, but, and that's the thing is like, I do think that people, make mistakes in their life and grow from them. You know, my kids are teenagers and their school, I mean, they're by far the minority in their school. Um, You know, it's mostly African-Americans and Latinos and then, you know, a small pocket of some white kids. And, and I, and we have a lot, a lot of, great conversations actually, you know, when everything happened with George Floyd. And I mean, one of my sons, I swear, felt like he had the world on his shoulders and, you know, just wanted to fix everything. And, you know, he he gets super worked up about it. And I love that. I mean, because my kids, I mean, I feel like they have so many, so many friends that do not look like them who I feel like my own kids and, you know, and that vision of like those kids being scrutinized or, you know, profiled or anything is just horrifying to me because at the end of the day, they're my kids too. And I mean that, you know, and, and a lot of people don't see that. I mean, especially where, you know, where you may live or, I mean, we see it here and, um, you know, I think everyone just needs to do their part, and I think everyone needs to educate themselves. Um, there's actually a really good book out there um, called Be the Bridge, and um, a woman actually from Atlanta wrote this book, and I've been listening to the audiobook, and sometimes it's really hard to listen to. It is some seriously, like, very sad stories. Um, like, I, I got to the point where I'm like, I can't. I can't listen to this in my car because I can't drive and listen to this, you know, because I was such a mess, like listening to it. But um, the, the the thing about it is being the bridge of being able to do these um, women's groups of, um, you know, black and white women together. And um, I'm hoping to start one of those in our community, you know, sometime this year. So, All right. but um, just... I just think everyone should educate themselves because if anything that they don't understand, like I can't understand this, you know what? It's your job to educate yourself. So that's how I feel. I was going to ask you a question, but now I'm worried about asking it, but let me, let me ask this one instead. So you said that your son, you know, felt some weight on his shoulder and would get, you know, really worked up and stuff. And I know that I've talked to some people who are the same way and these are, you know, these are adults, you know, 40, 50 year olds that the, the expectation that now that some things have come to light, they're thinking, why can't we just fix this now? (laughs) And it's a hard conversation to have because Mm -hmm. we're looking at 
one situation in time. And yeah. we're talking about, you know, a long running situation, you know, some sy- systemic stuff in place and things Absolutely. of that nature. But what was the conversation that you had with him in explaining that, you know, keep the passion, you know, you know, keep working at it, but understand that it might not, you know, change as fast as we want. So I gave him the, what I told him, um, and I took it from Stephen Covey. Um, you know, there is, um, um, gosh. Oh, okay. Circle of circle of influence and circle of um, concern. So circle of concern is all racism, all systemic racism, you know, could be anything. It could be politics. It could be things that at the end of the day, one person really cannot fix. But circle of influence being that your actions your conversations with your close friends, your family, people that are in your circle, having more of those conversations um, and being open and honest about them. Because I know there are people that feel completely like there is no systemic racism. And and I think that's just, it's about knowledge and how maybe how you see things and how you're brought up and all those things. But I'm very much like, you keep talking about it, but you do what you can do to make a difference. Um, so that's kind of how I approached it because I felt like he was never going to get anywhere if he, you know, had this just the weight of the world on his shoulders. And I felt, you know, I felt so bad. He was, I mean, so upset because think about it, it's all his friends and, you know, um, you know, there were so many, just so many things. And I think, it's never okay to be hateful to any group. I mean, even if you don't even just, even if you don't agree with another group, I just think like, if you give out hate, guess what? You're, you're going to get back hate. And I think, you know, stopping to listen and to do your part to make things better. Um, and not just be like the bull with the horns, like, you know, I hate this, I hate that. Um, Cause that's never going to get you anywhere. Right. So, so the concept that you mentioned, the circle of concern, circle of influence, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes people say the circle of control, uh, those were first introduced in Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah. I, I know that he's done much more in-depth stuff on that, so I will look for that. I'm not going to do it now and take attention away, yeah. but, you know, you're right. These are concepts that, you know, they're not new, but, right. you know, having people focus on, you know, the wife and I get into these conversations a lot where, you know, there's certain situations that I don't want to say that she gets worked up about and all of that, but at, there are times where I just look at her and say like, okay, does that directly affect us? And can we do anything about it? Yeah. Because my position is I will, I will act on things that I can control. Right. You know, so that's what I do. So I, I can't get, you know, too overwhelmed with things that are out of my control. Right. And I think, you know, a lot of people need to look at that, you know, yes. Should we be outraged at stuff? Yes. Should we have concern? Yes. Should we talk about it? Yes. And we will do that. And speaking of, and I, I never knew how I was going to segue into this, but I had, so I had a meeting uh, last week with somebody. And so last year I had a couple of Zoom meetings and we didn't know what else to call them except, you know, the race talks yeah. where we got people together on Zoom and it wasn't recorded. It wasn't anything like this. And it was a time for us to give people the ability to talk ask questions and try to figure out what can we each do in this situation. We only ended up having three of those meetings. And basically I just got to the point where like, I can't do this. I just. It's tough to have those conversations. Well, it it was tough for me because 
half the time I felt like I was defending myself, but then I was also defending other people for stuff. And I was like, I can't do that, you know, because there are a lot of times where I can, you know, people will get upset and be like, well, the police can't do this. Whereas I'm like, okay, why don't we try to at least understand why? Because we don't know what was in that policeman's mind, you know, 30 minutes before, you know, where they may have been in another situation. And, but needless to say, I had to stop. So we are going to start those back up. And I haven't announced when the, I think we did pick a date. I think it's going to be um, sometime in the next three weeks. I will put more up. So if people are listening, watching, and want to be involved in those talks, again, they are not a part of the podcast. They are not a Facebook Live or on YouTube or anything. This is just a private Zoom. And it is, you know, a time to be real, ask the questions talk about concerns and come up with an action plan that works for, for us individually. What are the things that we can do ourselves yeah. to, you know, educate ourselves and to be better about it? Yeah. I think everyone just needs to be better, you know? And I, mean, I, I want to put this up at least, um, Dave Becker echoed your words. Um, his daughter reacted the same way and they told her the same thing. So, huh. Hi, Dave Becker. <laughs> Dave Becker. So, all right. Well, that certainly wasn't on the agenda tonight. <laughs> no, I know. But I think it's good. I think those conversations are so good to have. I, you know, I, I feel like, I don't know. I, I don't, you know, I don't remember the political climate being so ugly and, you know, even, I mean, I would say from both sides, no matter what side you're on, it just doesn't matter. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, we can't forget we're all Americans. And, and I do think, I don't, I don't think people are so far one way or so far the other. I mean, I feel like I personally don't identify with either. Um, and I think it's situation to situation. I was trying to like dumb it down and say, okay, so if I needed help, I know that my neighbors would help me if I needed whatever. I mean, that's the thing is like, we're not, we're not robots. And I think everyone is, you know, has empathy and wants to be better and wants to be a good person. So I just, I think everyone just sometimes just needs to, to do that every day. Yeah. Um, well, you know? something that's happening in our neighborhood is, you know, be the neighbor you would want to have living next to you. Yeah. Is as simple as it is. If you want people to treat you that way and it's, you know, it's, what the golden freaking rule, right? <laughs> do unto others as, you know, you would have them do unto you. It's, yeah. it's simple. So, yeah. Yeah. This, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry that those, that that happened in your neighborhood and I'm sure it just jilted everyone. Um, but I think, you know, I would say there's probably a lot of people out there dealing with a lot of mental anguish this year, you know, um, in my therapy sessions, I mean, I'm not there, so, but my therapy sessions, we were talking about how I've a huge part of my identity has always been work. And when you don't have that consistent work and you know, not working, not working for a company. To me, that's been really hard because that's who I am. I mean, if anyone knows me, I'm like, and I used to do this. I used to, um, you know, I had a big team, you know, worked for Hard Rock for a long time. And, you know, I always at night, I would just kind of get myself caught up and I would just get in this, like, get everything done at night. And luckily I had a home office. So I'd come down to my office and you know, I was going to turn out the lights of my office, but really I was just go. let me just check some emails. And then four o'clock in the morning rolls around. I'm like, oh, I'm still emailing people. And then people would say, I remember uh, a colleague said to me, do you expect me to respond at four? And I was like, no, <laughs> just, I just was on a roll and I was getting everything done. Right. So then I started learning like, um, 
I will we'll go out in the morning, you know, like I would schedule my emails out. So I was just horrified that they thought that I expected a response at four in the morning. So, but um, I mean, that's, that to me has been really hard, not, not working. And, but I feel like once I get in there, I can't wait. All right. And you're, you're out on the interview trail now, right? You said just started throwing some stuff out there. Yeah. It's, I will tell you, the experience has not been grand. <laughs> um, what, putting interviews out or resumes and all that stuff? Resumes. And then I feel like HR departments are either completely bogged down or. It, it is a weird, it. it is a weird time because. So what, what was it last week that the, the unemployment numbers plummeted, but yet it still feels like so many people are out of work and companies are, you know, seems like everyone's hiring, but yeah, I, I almost feel like, I mean, and I like write very personalized, um, cover letters. I think, God, why wouldn't they hire me if after reading that and, um, and even I've had people refer me in different jobs, but I I think, I don't know. I, I think there's, Honestly, I think they need better IT solutions, uh, probably because they get so many resumes. And, you know, it used to be that you never wanted your resume to completely mimic the job description. Like, you use different words. You didn't want to use those exact words ever, right? But now, all their algorithms, like, you got to use those words. Right. Kind of ridiculous. I mean, and... and You're right. The What is it? Not, um, God. Career builders, what's stuck in my head, but um, indeed, and right. all those jobs. Yeah, you're you're right. It's they are programmed. It's almost it's just like the Facebook. You know, they yeah. program this algorithm as to which posts are going to get seen, as opposed right. to you know just let it happen organically. But you're right, and I remember when I was looking for texts, and I would look for the ones that didn't use the buzzwords. <laughs> Because yeah. I'm like, you know, don't don't feed me what I already, you know, what you think I want to hear. Yeah. You know, tell me, tell me what you really are about. Tell me your real experience and what you're good at. Yeah. I think they should get, say they have 20 candidates, which I know they all have more, but say they have 20 good candidates and they have a normal meeting that they would have where people would, you know give ideas or whatever it is, you know, that you can see them in action, I would hands down get the job. <laughs> well, let me ask this, because didn't you at one time do your own deal? What do you mean? Didn't you, um, didn't you do your own marketing company or something like that a while back? I have, I, I mean, essentially that's what I'm doing now, but okay. um, Tedeschi Media Marketing, but um. I just, I want to work with other people. And so I get big, not, get big and hire. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so chicken about that. I don't know. I just like having someone else, you know, be the shining guide and then I'll make it happen. <laughs> All right. We got to talk off air. <laughs> Definitely. No. Or, I mean, you know, that's the other thing. I, I feel like I'm much better like if I had a partner or something like that. All right. You keep me on task. Just, not even on task. Tell, not you, even tell on you to task. go to bed. Huh? Tell you to go to bed. No, yeah, really. Yeah, really. Stop working. Um, no, just to collaborate with. I I mean, I feel like I'm always so much better. Um, I remember when I worked for Hard Rock, um, we would go down uh, I go to Orlando annually and we have these huge brand meetings and at the end, I mean, the days were super exhausting, so fun. And we would talk about different branding opportunities for the year and come up with ideas. And, and I was, I would seriously come in with like a thousand ideas. Like I would just sit there, even listening to a speaker or something, I would write down like a hundred ideas. And always at the end of the day, I'd be like, I'm done. I'm out of ideas. And then 
the next day I've come back and be like, okay, I got a thousand ideas again. <laughs> so, and I did a lot of things. I mean, that I'm really, really proud of that, um, things that were my ideas that came to fruition that became a really big piece of our marketing plan for the year. So. All right. So, so are you like the creator part of the equation or are you the implementer part of the equation? I've always been sort of both. Okay. And then, and then I'm the person afterwards, like doing all the analytics because I love that part too. But I would, because I always had to do reports and the reports would always have to be like, okay, what's your ROI on everything? And so, you know, we did this, um, you know, there was a burger month and we, at Hard Rock, no one had ever owned it. And I'm like, we need to own that month. That should be our month. And, you know, there were things that that came to fruition that with the promotion and then things that I was bummed that didn't, you know, like we need to add this element or that element to make it even more exciting. Um, and I think sometimes things didn't move as fast as I wanted them to. Um, I remember, I want to say it was like Rob Lowe's 50th birthday party or something. And I, you know, I, it was a couple months before and I'm like, you know, they all became the Brat Pack at the Hard Rock in LA. And so I thought, how cool would that be to do his 50th birthday party back at the hard rock for, you know, the brat pack. Right. And it never happened, oh. but, but I did get to do, um, um, you remember, you know, that show orange County choppers with the discovery channel. Well, I know the show. I just don't watch it. Um, I don't know. It's still on, but I I don't think that particular show is, but there's another Chopper show on. Yeah. Um, didn't that guy die or something? What Didn't something happen with that guy? I don't know. That, the mustache guy? Well, there was like um, Senior and Junior. Right. I actually have Senior's number on my phone. Really? <laughs> Let me call and see if he's alive or not. Say, can we call him? <laughs> <laughs> um, Paul, wasn't it Paul, Paul Tuttle? Well, something like that. Sounds sounds right. I didn't. Anyways, um, so I got a budget, and um, they um, they made a Hard Rock anniversary bike. It was um, Hard Rock's 40th anniversary. They made this super cool bike. Um, they were uh, like top of the ratings when the show actually aired, and this is a crazy thing because I had to go to our C our CEO and basically say. Okay, so in the contract, it does say that they cannot guarantee that we'll make the show. But there's never been anyone they've done a custom bike for that has not been on the show. I think that's a good, I think that's (laughs) a a good, good, uh, yeah, I was like, I think it's a chance we got to take. And so it was big money and they, they gave me the yes and I got to sign the contract and um, and then we had actually, uh, we did replicas of the bike in a, like a pin and proceeds from that went to, um, the wounded warriors project. So I always try to add some kind of philanthropic piece to it, but that was awesome. Hmm. So were you with the hard rock when the Seminole casinos got involved with them? Yeah. Yeah. Are they, are they yeah. just taking over the hard rock? Yeah, they actually, um, Seminole Tribe of Florida actually owns Hard Rock International and they own all the, um, the rights to all, to basically now the globe. Okay. So, um, um, and I, and I think honestly, the Seminole Tribe of Florida, the, you know, those people are the ones that I had met were awesome. Um, but leadership at Hard Rock has changed. Um, but it didn't change for a long time though. We had a CEO that, um, we had a CEO, Hamish Dodds, who was just amazing, you know, that really cared about people that, um, just really cared about all kinds of philanthropic, um, things that we were doing. I mean, you know, the always question was if we were doing a marketing, you know, some kind of promotion or something, the, the next question would always be, who's your philanthropic partner? 
So, um, you know, at that time, it was just like, it was a great time to be with Hard Rock. Hmm. So it's changed now, and I really can't kind of talk to it because I don't know. I mean, there are so many people that worked for the company for so long, and now a lot of people don't. So Yeah, I, I figured I just wanted to know if you were there when that was kind of taking place and transitioning, yeah. I guess is the right word for it. Yeah, it, it well, honestly, it didn't even feel like much of a huge transition at that point. Hmm. Not at all. Because they had already, um, they had already gotten the rights to do two hotels, Tampa and um, Fort Lauderdale or Hollywood. Hollywood, yep. Yeah, so they had already gotten the rights to that, and then realized like, you know, they were paying into the brand so much um, because the casinos were doing unbelievable. Oh yeah. So. Yeah, this one down here is huge. Got yeah, the big old guitar scene for miles and miles. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we let's do this. Let's go ahead and start to end off the show, and then you and I can keep chatting. We won't won't do a okay. post show this time. But uh, for people that are still watching, thank you for doing so. And let me see. I was trying to see. I had a whole list of announcements I wanted to get off earlier, but we got off track. So as I mentioned earlier, thank you to Wendy and Lori for last week. Next week, I have a tentative guest that I can't announce because it's not confirmed. I may just have to do an open show. So that might be a time. If you have any questions, I can do a little ask me anything comment. And if you uh-huh. ask if you ask me a question, I'll answer it. <laughs> But I will say this, if you don't think you can handle the answer, don't ask the question, <laughs> if that makes any sense. And then coming up on, let's see, I think it's the last Saturday, uh, last Monday of this month, Dr. Philip Rothschild, a good friend of ours from Palm Beach Atlantic University, will be on the show. That should be a fantastic show as well. And then we'll have some other things coming up in June. So I want to remind everybody to go to the site and check out the links that I put on for the guest that was with us at the beginning of the show, Amy Sapien. Uh, Check out her Facebook group, Childhood Cancer Advocates, and her new venture that she is on the board of Prep for Gold. So that website link will be there as well. And then I'm going to be putting in the link to the book that we forgot to put in last time that Elise is in, The Comeback, by Lou Giglio. She is Chapter 12. L- Louis Giglio. Giglio? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he, said, he has actually said to me or a congregation about, like, Louis, some people call Louis. Like, Louis? Louis? He's like, Louis Giglio. <laughs> And it was like a national um, news thing. <laughs> wow. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, he's, right. all, he's actually very good friends with uh, the astronaut Sean. Is it Sean? Shane? Shane. That's the state. So, all right. All right, folks. Thank you very much for uh, being with the show. Until next week, holla. Yeah.